0: Coming down i never left it on the ground I'm not down I wanna go higher, higher, higher Hello, this is Rebecca Fleetwood-Hessian, host of the Badass Women's council Podcast, and I'm glad you're here. Today we have on the show Chris Taylor, who is an independent consultant and has written a book about independent consulting. Imagine that. The book is titled Owning It and we're going to dig into a lot of the research and some of the details that she shares in the book that could maybe help you to decide if that's a path that you might want to take. Here we go. Hey, Chris, how's it going? Good, good. Thank you
1: for being on today. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk to you. I'm excited about the work you're doing, and I'm excited to share a little bit about the work I'm doing.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So you have a new book coming out, which I want to talk about today. Um, You know, just start off with our listeners and give us a little highlight reel of why you wrote the book. So before we even talk about the content itself, why did you write it? Because I'm I mean, I'm in the middle of writing one right now. It is not something that is just, doesn't come easy, especially when you're working and doing all the other things. Like you have to really want to know why you're doing something to get through what it takes to write a book. So why'd you do it?
1: Yeah, I asked myself that question several <laughs> times in the middle of it, especially, um, I love it. Elizabeth Gilbert talks about you always have to have a shitty first draft. Why well, had a shitty first draft and then a shitty second draft. And so the book that emerged, I like, but it took three, throw everything out. Um, but my reason and the thing that kept me going is I've had just a, a wonderful opportunity in the last 15 years to... Um, own my own career, and the title is "Owning It" by stepping into a career as a professional consultant, a professional independent consultant. And I've learned a lot along the way. I've learned what to do, what not to do, why this is a good choice. And so, this book is uh, an opportunity for me to share what that career journey has been like for others, in the hope that for those that it's right for, it offers some education, some encouragement. Um. And some information that I didn't have going in.
0: Mm. You know, that plays really well into some research that I just stumbled upon recently that for a woman who is thinking about being promoted or wanting to excel in her career, that 48% of the reason why she wants to be promoted is to be a role model and share what she's learning and mm-hmm. has learned with others, which isn't the same percentages. There's still a percentage for men, but for women, it's much higher. I think for men, it's 20-some. So you have absolutely just nailed that immediately to say, you, you've learned a lot and there, was, there were things that you wanted to share with others so they enjoyed the benefits and didn't maybe have as many of the struggles. Yeah, we, um
1: if they can be a little bit
0: smarter, um, get there a little bit faster, that's all good. I love that. I love. We all need that um, desperately. So many people that I run into in the last couple of years have either said to me, you know, I'm thinking about starting my own business, or I'm thinking about writing this book, or I'm thinking about where, where you just sense that there's some either discomfort in their current reality or just some dream or desire that has been planted on their hearts about wanting to do this entrepreneurial thing. Um, And so it sounds like to me, I can't wait to read the book. It just came out. But it sounds like to me, this might be a great guide for them in helping to make that decision. Is that fair?
1: That's very fair. The focus of the book really talks about people who are dreaming about or just launching um, their careers as independent professional consultants. Those folks that want to set up their own brand and have their own identity and do their own work. That's not to say that other people might want to consult by going with, a, with an agency or do other types of consulting, but this is really folks who want to consult, speak, coach, and they want to set up their own brand and run their own small business.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's easier to do that than it's ever been, which is different than saying it's easy to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me clarify, being, that being is exactly, a- where exactly in this space of, you know, three plus years of running my own business, um, I'm not professing easy by any means, but it is easier To begin, if you choose to. In fact, you share a statistic about the percentages of people that are going to be launching out on their own. Tell us by 2028, over 50% of the workforce will be independent.
1: Isn't that that was a number that surprised me? We commissioned some market research to um, help us think about this book, and so that it's it's not heavy statistical, but I wanted to ground it in. Broader than just my experience, and right mm-hmm. now, right now, forty uh, percent of us are working independently.
0: Is it forty percent? I was just going to say, do you know Isn't what it that is now? amazing?
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is, and another interesting statistic that we stumbled on is that when folks, women or men, that are doing independent consulting that have gone out on their own, um, are asked if they would go back and work with an employer a majority of them say they would not go back for any amount of salary so i think that's compelling too about the reasons that are pulling people into this Uh, some of its income potential some of its being able to do the work that you love some of its um, control and flexibility there's a whole lot of reasons i particularly love the challenge of it and the variety of the work so there are a lot of different reasons but they're
0: very compelling Mm -hmm. I think, especially for high achieving women. Amen, sister. I'd be be in that camp. Yeah. I've always said that I will do whatever it takes to provide for me and my family. Um, I look good and green. I'll go barista at Starbucks. I'll bartend. I'll wait. I'll do whatever it takes to provide my family. But given the choice to continue to do the hard work of being an entrepreneur versus good work for somebody else, absolutely. Hands down. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I I'm am with still. you. <laughs> I always just thought that was because I was just a little glutton for punishment, kind of weird, but it sounds like I'm more common than, than that I thought. So let's say that our listeners are now their interest is really peaked and they're thinking, oh, my gosh, that's me. I have been thinking about doing my own thing. I'm, I'm going to get this book. Give us a couple of nuggets of things that they can anticipate getting from the book. What, what's going to be really helpful for them and maybe what might surprise them as they read the book?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. The, um, there are lots of good things they're going to get with the book, but they will get a, a better understanding of today's workforce and where it's evolving. Mm -hmm. and why this becomes a a more viable career choice, and the forces that are increasingly going to make that so. So that's the more academic, intellectual piece. Mm -hmm. I then share the reasons that people do this. I share the traits that people who are successful in this share. I share some warning signs. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a great chapter where uh, I talk about why people would want to hire you. So it's, in essence helps you build your business case. And then there's some great tools throughout it. There's an assessment to talk about how you're ready. for Because oh, for, some, for some people, being ready simply means I need to stay in the job that I'm doing, where I'm doing good work but for somebody else, for another two to three years to get some things in place,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? To get a financial safety net, to build up my credentials, to enhance my network. So we see many people who are, taking two, three, four years to to lay a runway. Mm -hmm. Other people are right now starting or they um, are going to start in the next month or so. Either way, I think this book will really help people. It's my hope that this book really helps people lay the groundwork and think about what to do.
0: What are some of the traits of those that um, do well in this?
1: Yeah. There's several, but the one that I think is the biggest differentiator is the need to absolutely be a self-starter. Mm-hmm. So over the course of the last three years, I've talked to lots of uh, women and men who want to do this. They'll say, Chris, I like what you're doing. I've always wanted to do this. And I, usually, at the end of every conversation, we, you know, this is what comes from being a coach, is we talk about what's your next step? What's the one thing you're going to do? And um, I can almost tell immediately there are people that immediately follow through. They make things happen. Even though they're working 60 hours a, a week, they still find a way to, to, to move things forward. And the others that keep deferring, that they're going to wait until they hit the magic number so they can retire. They, they're going to wait until the kids get out of college. So there's the dreamers, and then there's the people who dream and do, and the people that just keep dreaming. So it's that it's combination of people who can dream, who can envision a better future, and then step into it to actually do something to make that happen.
0: Yeah. The, um, and and I, I, I hear that play out oftentimes when, when people are... They're, 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 the way that they see the world is that there's some external force that has to be aligned for whatever reason is it. Either something needs to come in or something needs to go out of their lives, something mm-hmm. different than just them and their own choices. Um, and if it's something external, you know that it's probably not for you. Yes, absolutely.
1: Because yeah. the, the reality as you know, with this type of career is you get up and you go to work every day and your boss isn't checking on you. There are days where you don't have client work and you're working on business development. Those are days it would be easy to just check out and go do something else. So it's that, you know, that persistence, that ability to stay with something that's unknown and sometimes a little scary and just stay with it and stay with it and stay with it until things start to happen.
0: hmm And anytime I call it standing tall in your story, which is this is the absolute example of that when you are standing tall in your story, and you're saying I have unique gifts and talents, and now I'm going to go use them to serve a particular market and do good work. The minute we do that what I refer to as the little bitch in our head starts to get really loud and annoying. And she lies a lot. Um, and she starts to, you know, wreck our confidence on certain days. Is that something that you've experienced? Oh yeah.
1: Oh, you know, I don't know how you do something creative, something big, something this personal without, without that person talking to you. I call it resistance in the book. There's a whole chapter about how to oh, come overcome resistance. Good. But it's interesting to to talk back to that person a little bit or, or uh, figure out what they're saying. For me, it was um, self-doubt. And I remember vividly, I had I dis- put in my notice at my employer. I had about six weeks to get things together before I was starting. And things were just starting to take shape. And I went to a professional meeting and I was pretty excited to tell them I was doing this thing. And a lady that I so admire, as we went around the table and shared updates, mentioned that she was doing something very similar. And I almost immediately stopped. Like, if she's doing it, nobody's ever going to want to work with me. Who am I to do this? She's, you know it was absolutely a spirit of scarcity, a spirit of um, a voice of scarcity, a voice of you're not good enough. And I almost, I mean, I was really this close to saying, oh my, who are you to do this thing? (laughs) Now, as, as things unfold, I stayed with it. About a year later, um, she decided that she was much happier being employed by somebody else. And she has a wonderful career
0: with a great employer. And 15 years later, I'm still doing this thing. Oh, I love that. I love that. I have to know, in that moment, did you still share that you were going to do it? I mumbled something really <laughs> bad. Like, rah, 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 rah. Yeah. Oh, I love that you're just as human as the rest of us. Yeah. Yay. So th- today, 15 years in, successful, year-over-year year growth, you're, you're, you've proven yourself time and time again, now writing and helping other people. Does the little bitch in your head still rear her ugly lies? On a Oh, yeah. Regular you know, basis? I,
1: and some of it, I believe, comes from you know one of the things that feeds the bitch that feeds the voice in your head are what we think other people's expectations are mm-hmm. and the one of the bigger struggles i had 3 or 4 years ago was i had a, a really smart business coach who was i was at an inflection point in my business and wanting to shape it in a different direction and she kept pushing me to grow 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 and i had all this inner resistance and i finally realized that for me it wasn't about it it was About purpose and not profit. Mm. And, but the little voice in my head kept saying, you know, if you're really successful as a business, you should get really big. You should uh, grow your profits every year. You should get, you know, you should look like this. But the reality is that wasn't what I wanted to create. I wanted to create work that I did that was meaningful and intentional, that filled me up and helped other people, that had a deep purpose to it. And that, I wanted that to be first, the purpose to be first, and then the profits I figured would come from that. Um, but there was still all this external, the external voices that fed that that voice in my head to say that's not the way business works. Right? It's all about growth. It's all about money. It's all about profit. It's all about the bottom line. Um, but there was a part of me, you know. The, there's that bitch, but there's also, you know, sometimes I think about the angel on your shoulder, the 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 count, the, the countervailing mm-hmm. voice. That was saying, no, that's not you. That's not what you want to create.
0: Absolutely. And and I'm I very much believe that when that little bitch in my head is is angry, and it's it is the battle of good and evil, right? Because yeah. I do know that when I started this business, I prayed for God ideas, not good ideas for about a year. And so I knew that what I was doing wanted to do and was embarking upon was it was a journey about my purpose and and my calling and what I was put on this earth to do to share these experiences and so I know when that ugly voice gets loud that it is it's resistance it's is it's dark and light it's just being able to look at it and say you know the light is way brighter than than that darkness that she's trying to put on onto me and my thoughts so um I love that it for you is meaning and purpose. I very much the same. And I struggled with this so deeply that I think it stalled me out for a full year of being able to get traction in my business in a way that I felt good about. Mm. Because I kept saying to myself, you have to do. And then I had this list of certain services and things that I should use or provide, or people won't think you're smart. And it was things that I had done in my past with the business. I worked on a team with Franklin Covey from the four disciplines of execution. So I had this script that played in my head that if I didn't do dashboard, scoreboard, execution (laughs) work, I wasn't smart and no one would take me seriously. And finally, a really good friend and another consultant. And just looked at me and said, That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, you are smart, but just that thinking alone is yeah. dumb. Like, that's what's dumb about it. And, like, yeah. we laughed and to, but to this day, his voice of reason in the midst of my chaos that I'd create in my own mind got me over the hump. Yeah,
1: don't you love it when those people say the thing that's exactly the right thing at exactly the right time and
0: then you go, how could it have taken me so long to figure this out? I got in my car, we had had lunch together and I thought, yeah, what? what was I thinking? (laughs) (laughs) So crazy. So when, when that, when that voice gets you going and you're frustrated with something and and you know that you're here running this business and writing these books and sharing what you've learned to, to live out the life you want to live. But what are the practical things that you do and that you teach people to do to get past that resistance, to, to understand it's part of the process. What's, what are the, what's the advice you give people? Yeah.
1: One of the things that I share that I think is really true, I've experienced over and over again, is that the, the voices get louder and more persistent as you get closer and closer to that thing that's really big. Oh, yeah. Um, so, there's a piece of not welcoming that voice, but acknowledging that voice is a natural part of the process and knowing that it's a, a signal that you're onto something. So first of all, acknowledge it for what it is. Know it's going to happen. Just know it's going to happen. There are a couple things. Probably the most powerful is just to keep taking that next step. Mm. You tell the voice you hear it, you're going to ignore it. Um, Some people talk about putting it in the back seat. And then you say, I'm just going to do this one next thing. And then this one next thing. And the one next thing can be little, right? It could be meeting somebody, having a conversation, writing about it, doing a little bit of web research. As long as you keep taking those one next steps, momentum starts to pull you
0: forward. So that's one way. I agree it, it, b- on both of those points. That I've now learned that that is validation. That the more apprehensive I am, or the voices getting louder, I think, oh, I must be onto something good. Yeah, and that I, I call it. You know, what's the next right choice? I think is important yes. that you val- that you verify that it is a small thing sometimes because one of the traps I fell into was over-engineering things to the point of paralysis, right? Right. And so if you have that next right choice, that's easy to put into the next day or the next hour versus saying, I'm going to go strategize about, and I'm going to go build a, and I'm going to create a, and I'm going to research this. No, just do one more thing. Whatever one thing is, do the next right thing. Well, and especially
1: for entrepreneurs and people selling their services into a market, you've got to go out and interact with the market to figure out what works and what doesn't. And at Leap, we've... I think, done an exceptionally good job. Now, people might look back at our journey and say, man, you guys really had some big mess ups. And we did. Uh, The first time we envisioned our services, we we envisioned a nine-day retreat. You start at the beginning. By, By the end of the nine days, you come out with a business plan, business cards. You really have your launch plan put together. And we actually even had a house booked at a beautiful location. And we ended up not filling it, having to eat the deposit. But all of that led us in a number of ways to understand our market better, to figure out how to right size it, to figure out what our curriculum looked like. So not always lost in that. It, It wasn't the right thing at the right time, but at least it got us started, right? You have to have those. And tell our listeners what LEAP is. Yeah, absolutely. So my 15, a little bit of context, my 15-year consulting practice is in evergreen leadership. So we create customized leadership development programs, and that's um, my mainstay. And three years ago, as if I needed something else to do, but I felt (laughs) compelled to do it, um, along with Katie McNamee, who was a student of mine at Purdue who turned into an intern and now is a business partner, we started LEAP which stands for leverage your experience, achieve prosperity. And when we say prosperity, we don't mean material wealth, although consulting is absolutely a way to earn a wonderful income. The goal is to achieve a prosperous life, one that's full with of the things that you want to have in it. And that can be downtime, that can be reflection time, that can be time for writing, time for family, whatever it is. So anyway, three years ago, we formed LEAP. And LEAP's sole purpose is to help people make the leap from we say corporate to consulting, but oftentimes, sometimes it's college to consulting mm-hmm. because one of the big trends is many people coming out of college, whether it's undergrad or graduate, are going directly into consulting and forgoing traditional employment. We do that through webinars, learning, personalized coaching, but we really help people for whom independent consulting is going to be a career path, figure out how to do it with some support, to be a little bit smarter about it, and to get there faster
0: it's it's beautiful to give people not only the framework and the experience and all of that packaged, it's a beautiful thing that you offer, but it's also done a bit in community, right? So there's, there's, it's a group of people that are going through this experience together, right? It can be. We also have some just sheerly online pieces. Okay. But, for many
1: people, and one of the things that you, as you reflect on if this is a career choice for you, you've got to ask yourself, how do I do in solitude? Because one of the pitfalls of doing this work, as you know, is it can be a little lonely. You don't have a team around you, especially at the beginning. You've got to figure out your way. So whether it's interacting with Katie and I or with a cohort, there we do think there's, there's strong value of having and connecting with other people who are doing this.
0: Well, you may have heard me tell this story before, Chris. But the Badass Women's Council was created the day that I gave a six-month notice to go out on my own when I realized when it came out of my mouth that I said to my boss that I was gonna do this on my own. I thought, I'm an entrepreneur, which is alone. Yeah. And I'm also leaving all of my friendships that I've cultivated in this career for the last. 18 years that they'll we won't have time for each other like what what holds you together when you have friends at, in a corporate space especially is the work right mm-hmm. and so I knew from experience that people that had left that organization before we didn't stay as connected as we had ever been it wasn't out of love or disrespect it's right. just busy right and I thought holy crap <laughs> I mean, I remember this. I was sitting in this chair that I'm sitting in right now this, that, on this day because I, I had a home office and I thought, holy crap, mm-hmm. I, I got to go find some friends. Like it was <laughs> this intentional, put it on the list as an activity because you are not going to do well doing life alone. Yeah.
1: Well, and I vacillate. I'm right on the scale between introversion and extroversion. So it's a nice mix for me. But even still, one of the things I strongly believe is to be successful as an independent consultant, you need a deep network. And so the way that we encourage people to do that I've found works really well for me is to just create around yourself this amazing network of people who either do the same or similar work
0: um, and stay connected with them in real and meaningful ways. Yeah. No. And, and that's exactly what I did. And, and once we got together and I flippantly called us the us Women's Council, of course, now it's become an, a, thing, a thing, an actual thing. <laughs> um, it was invaluable. And all of us said that we didn't know how much we needed it until we had it. It was like this just hole that we had. And we didn't realize it was a thing until we filled it back up. And it's been significant to have that kind of support. In fact, I don't think I've had relationships this close, this important so quickly ever in my life. But, but I, I think it is a big part of when you're doing big, scary work um, mm-hmm. you, and, and you can share that experience with someone else, there's a real trust that gets built in that conversation.
1: I agree. I agree. Yeah.
0: So, what is the what's the, what are the cautionary tales? Um, we talked about traits that you, that you need to be able to you know, cultivate this next step and, and own your your journey in your space. What are some of the holy crap things that you warn people about um, in the book? Yeah, you probably so don't call them holy crap things. That sounds more like
1: we my language, we <laughs> don't we call them warning signs. Okay, but, or I call them warning signs. So the good news is is that many of them are achie- overcomeable and th- that's why some people are going to take some time so one of the first ones one of the first questions you need to ask is do you have marketable skills because many of us have skills that have been honed perhaps in a large organization that are very niche right mm-hmm. um, so the question is is do you have skills that somebody else is buying now if you don't have marketable skills and you want to go do this you've got to figure out a way to take what you're doing Um, Great example is maybe you've got great IT skills, but you're working in either a very proprietary system that owns only in your company, or perhaps it's uh, a a language that's passe right now or going out of favor. I mean, you can do that. You can figure out how to get those skills under your belt. But so asking yourself if you have marketable skills, ask yourself um, how big of a financial safety net you have. Because as you know, there's a long way between starting and getting paid. (laughs) Even if you have, and I was lucky enough to have a client before I left my company, even if you have that, the cash flow is different than a regular paycheck. And even with, you know, even, well, at the beginning of this year, I hit a cash flow crunch. I had sold the most work I'd ever sold, but I had a couple teams of people working on it, and they wanted paid, and I hadn't gotten paid from the client. So, a strong assessment of your financial situation and what do you need to do? How much of a financial safety net do you do? What do you do to build it?
0: Uh, yeah. It takes guts. I mean, and faith and just, I'm with you. I mean, same scenario as well. Coaches needed paid on the project before the client paid, right? Right. And to be able to have, to sit confidently and quietly in that scary space to me has been one of the honing that skill has served me really well because panicking is just a rotten idea. The minute, <laughs> the minute you start doing that, then you start making really dumb decisions that sometimes in this work you have to live with for months past. Like I, I took on some work that was just a horrifically awful rate, um, out of desperation. And then I had to deliver on the work Making crap money when I should have been using that time to do the better work that I had been doing. But I made that decision in a cash crunch, desperate kind of situation that I lived with for months longer than I would have needed to. Right.
1: Well, and there's something, one of
0: the things that
1: I believe is core to who I am and how I show up, but it's counterintuitive to the way we typically look at business is the spirit of abundance and the spirit of things will work out if you can stay with them with calmness and certainty. And so a great example is, had a client for whom going in, we knew that they were financially shaky. Turns out that it got worse. I had already, uh, I had out-of-pocket expenses of over $50,000 and they weren't paying anybody. And the other vendors sued them, complained, were just were awful and ugly. And I just stayed in touch with them and just let them know that I trusted that when they had enough cash that I would, pay, I would get paid. Now, it, I didn't like just wilt away. Mm-hmm. In fact, it got to be like every two weeks, I would call the controller and say, hey, it's me again. Just don't let you to forget me and know that you're going to pay me. I'm just wondering where we're at. So um, as it turns out, I was one of the few vendors that got paid. But what held me through that, because that was an old shit moment, like, man, that's a ton of money to lose, is just the sense of, if I can hang in there
0: with a spirit of generosity and abundance, it will all work out. Okay. So I love what you're saying about that, Chris, because in that moment, it would have been easy to go down the route of just panic and freak out, right? And, and you've already decided that you're, you're in business for yourself. Yes. To make money. Yes. You provide a service that you should be paid well for, but you are in, you know why you're in it and your why and your sense of purpose is more than just making money. You're here to use your gifts and talents. You're here to serve. And that's what stood out in that moment of potential crisis was you looked at it as human being to human being and abundance and all of these principles of humanity led you more than more than a business freak out
1: absolutely and i could tell story after story of where this spirit of abundance has enabled my business made it richer and deeper you know you shared the story of doing Underpriced work and still delivering it, and we all fall into that trap. I think I'm into it tomorrow. I <laughs> gave away a whole day for Real hardly time. anything. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what you do is you just show up the best you can, and there you throw out into the universe the best you have to offer, and know that in some way that gets reciprocated. Yeah,
0: and I believe that having that spirit is a differentiator that it shows up in that sales call. It shows up in that um, work that you do in a way that people want to work with you more when they feel that from you.
1: I agree. And one of the things that I share is that it's important for you to select clients as much as they select you. So one of the criteria with Evergreen Leadership is I'm looking for bigger engagements and um, corporate partners to work with is if they're not willing to partner with me and to adapt along the way and if we're not operating in a place where there's free and open feedback, you need to find somebody else to work with. That's not me. Um, Yeah.
0: yeah. Absolutely. Having good sense of guardrails about who you want to work with. I think Once I got there and I wasn't feeling that desperation of I'll take any work no matter what work, right? You know, you (laughs) you go through those first few months, you're like, yes, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just pay me. Um, Once you get some confidence built and you have that sense of guardrails about the kind of client that you work best with, it gets a whole lot more fun too.
1: Oh, it does. It gets fun because you're, you're working with the right people. It gets funner because at the same time, you're honing the type of work you want to do. And you know, I was the same as you. I did some crazy, stupid projects at the beginning. Did them well, not projects I enjoyed. Um, did some technical writing and some other kind of learning and development things. So it's a combination of doing more work that you really want to do with the people you want to do them with in ways that really matter. And so over time, it doesn't happen day one or maybe even month one or year one. But over time, as long as I love your your focus on reflection because i think as long as you keep reflecting on that and keep fine tuning and shaping it you t- you turn out that you know you've you've created this career that's a fit for you that's mm-hmm. a really nice fit for you and for the world
0: yeah agreed and and if you're doing it just for the money you're going to put in the kind of hours that aren't good for you and your family and your well-being. To me, that's the difference. I describe it as the difference between striving and thriving. If you're mm-hmm. in it just to make the money and strive, 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 get as much money in the bank, and then someday far in the future, I'll go live a really great life. Like you've missed the point. That's right. That's, that's not it. Because I live
1: a very great life almost every day. Not every, it's not perfect, but dang, is it good.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah. We should probably end on that high note. Yeah. So I will post in the notes all the places that people can get in touch with you and um, make sure that they go by the book. Yes, absolutely. Yes. We'll make sure we have all that available for everybody to find you and purchase the book and reach out to you if they want more significant help than the book can provide even to help them make that decision or make that leap. Yes, I'd love to help as many people as I can. Awesome! Thanks for being here. Super! Thank you. I'm not coming down. Thanks so much for being here today. And if you haven't done it yet, it's time to subscribe and write a review for the Badass Women's Council podcast. And if you're looking to connect with other high achieving women, go to badasswomenscouncil.community. And y'all, I created our own little spot, our own little place to hang out, ask questions, and meet each other. So jump in there. I will provide some video content and some great questions for us to share information that can help us all be better. Can't wait to meet you there. Your reflection question for today is, and I'm going to make this general because not all of you are thinking about starting starting your own business, but there is something that Chris shared that I think is an important reflection question is, you know, what's your level of self-starter? Do you own it in your career in general, whether it's one that you run yourself or work for somebody else? I think owning it is an interesting thing to reflect on, whether it's your business or someone else's. We own our career. And how are you doing with that? Thanks so much. Make it a great day. I'm not coming down. I never liked it on the ground. I'm not coming down. I want to go.